The views expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of VC Soccer, its membership organizations, or their affiliate organizations. Welcome to BC Soccer's Cones and Pennies podcast, a show designed to inspire and connect the British Columbia soccer community. Here's what's coming up on today's show. Coming up, we delve exclusively into the world of match officiating and introduce BC Soccer's new referee programs manager, Kyla DePerna, and the task ahead. And we'll hear from two young up-and-coming BC referees who recently attended Canada Soccer's Female Referee Symposium in Toronto. Here's your host, BC Soccer's Marketing and Communications Officer, Peter Shad. Hello and welcome to our eighth episode today focusing exclusively on refereeing and match officiating. As you probably know, we are facing a bit of a crisis in the match officiating world, and none of us should be surprised that it was coming because this is a storm that has been brewing off the coast for quite some time, and it's everyone's responsibility within the structure to now do a thorough analysis on the key factors behind match official retention. And at BC Soccer, we're deep into that now after a very thorough examination of refereeing development in general over the past several months. It's important to note that this is an issue affecting all sports, not just soccer. While coaches and players returned in healthy numbers post-pandemic to the fields this fall, match officials did not. And like Paul Varian said on our very first podcast, it took a pandemic to expose some of the vulnerabilities in the youth sports sector, and now we're unfortunately being forced to react. For years in our sport, we've seen consistently high drop-offs from young officials who take an entry-level course and then don't return the following seasons. There are going to be a lot of obvious factors here, but one of the biggest, of course, is the stress that comes from managing adults. Every weekend, on every field, in every corner of the province, a young referee is being verbally undermined by a coach or an adult. Every week, BC Soccer receives complaints, and this past weekend was no different, as we got a Twitter post complaining about a U-12 match where a referee in their first ever game was being challenged on everything. Now, just think about the absurdity of that line. A young referee in their first ever game was being challenged in a U-12 game. And these tweets always end with, BC Soccer has to do something. Because people honestly believe we're the police that comes to the fields and arrests psycho soccer adults. That is not our role. It would be impossible to manage anything close to that. And what disturbs me is this mentality of, well, it's your problem, you deal with it. Is that how the community, the soccer community at large, should work? Or should adults be stepping up and doing more to discourage or point out that kind of behavior when they know it's wrong. But no, that doesn't happen. A tweet is sent. That's today's society, sadly. I started refereeing at 13, and frankly, I loved it, even though I was always nervous about officiating. It started on a gravel field at Lord Kitchener Elementary with a beehive of a U6 girls game, and before you knew it, there I was refereeing provincial cup games, where the stakes felt very high, and even for an 18-year-old, it felt like there was a lot of pressure. The most important ammunition a referee can have is an obsessive understanding of the laws, guidance from people you respect, experience, of course, and constant support from the fraternity 
which is why I always enjoyed being part of a refereeing team more than just officiating on my own. Last year, I had the pleasure of following three young guys on an adult integration weekend to Nanaimo. This is a BC soccer program that gives referees a different league and different players to manage, along with the personal time management aspect of travel and the preparation that goes with it. I was honestly so impressed with these three gents, Denzel Sharma, Prem Gandhara, and Francesco Scaglioni. If you get a chance, it's on our YouTube channel called From Decisions to Debrief. These three guys, like most referees that stick around and pursue it seriously, were so obsessed with detail and doing a great job. These were guys that even on the ferry were studying moments in games and debating the interpretation of laws and decision making. And then after the game was over and they had a chance to decompress and dissect the performance, the lads were also dying to see the footage back to know whether they made the right decisions and that the game was just and fair. And there were some contentious moments, and to have been there and have documented all this and heard the comments from the crowds, it was absolutely fascinating to me. It was one of the most eye-opening experiences that I've had at BC Soccer, and we all think referees just show up, do the game, then leave. They don't realize everything that goes behind match preparation and then the assessment that follows. You are literally given a debrief just an hour after the match. Now, where I failed as a referee was in the emotional intelligence aspect, because as a younger man, I felt very hostile towards adults who did not have any grasp of the laws of the game and had never themselves officiated a game. No matter how well you thought you interpreted the laws and employed them correctly, these ignorant adults on the sidelines would complain and yell abuse. And I didn't have the ability to block that out and park it and just have faith in my own ability and not let reactive, win-at-all-costs adults affect my performance. And if you're enraged by the injustice of that kind of behavior, guess what? You're not refereeing the game with the proper headspace. And that's probably why I transitioned away from refereeing to coaching. And believe me, to get paid to referee two to three games a weekend while getting exercise and being involved in the sport in a very important role, and as a young person having a very valuable addition to a resume was really important to me because this is a role that requires leadership, discipline, and let's be honest, a little bit of courage, and future employers always clocked that on my resume. And that's why we really need to tackle head-on the issue of retention and understand it better while working on strategies to help young officials. As a coach, I've seen so many young people who show up to a game and they simply do not look the part. They are tentative to even blow a whistle. And worst of all, they don't move around and sometimes sprint to stay with the ball to get a better view of what's going on. And sometimes they don't know the laws either. Whose responsibility is it to help them? We're in a world now where the parents of referees go to the games to make sure their kids are okay, but we need continuous guidance and support and nurturing in the exact same way our players need it. In fact, there's really no difference when we're talking about development. Players on the field are micromanaged probably too much. Well, at what point are we going to help referees in the same way? The answer to many of our problems is... It's all of our responsibilities. It's the clubs, the districts, the governing bodies, and the participants themselves. It's going to take everyone in the soccer community to ensure we have a robust referee pool. And if there's one thing I hope you can take away from this podcast is remembering that the game cannot exist without match officials. And if you're at a game that features a young match official, how should you treat them? 
Would you treat them the same way you treat one of the players on your team? And imagine if that match official was your kid. How would you like for them to be treated during a game? Now, a training tip from BC Soccer's Manager of Coaching Development, Rob Shabai. As this episode is focused on referees, we will approach it from a coaching angle. If you were asked to define what a referee is all about in a couple of words, you might just say they are either good or bad with a disclaimer if my team wins, right? Soccer is a dynamic game that involves various participants and due to the speed of play, as coaches, we must interpret the game very quickly and accurately from the sidelines. But it's just as hard for the players and the referee in the middle of the pitch. So why make it even harder by making a negative comment every time there's a contentious call? Did you know that your actions and behaviors can contribute to increasing anxiety that may encourage unnecessary aggression on the pitch? FIFA states that the two main priorities referees have are to protect the safety of players and to demonstrate consistent and uniform application of the laws of the game, period. If this is the case, then we need to have a better perspective on discerning questionable calls and being aware of our response to them. If we can frame it realistically, noting that every call could be misjudged, missed completely, or the referee simply just got mixed up, well, haven't you ever done that before as a coach? Did someone yell at you for messing up? Probably not, but how would you feel if they did? A proactive test to see how you behave when things don't go your way on the sideline is something you can give a try from time to time. Have someone count the number of comments you make towards the referee during a match. Your tone and gestures should also be used as measurement indicators. Have them classify them as positive or negative, and then reflect on the data afterwards. But if you're not so inclined to look in the mirror in that way, then here are three preventative ways you can improve your knowledge, change your behavior, and develop relations with referees on match day. 1. Develop mastery by reading and gaining a better understanding of the laws of the game. Better yet, take a referee course. 2. Make it a point to compliment the referee after a good call. Everyone needs positive reinforcement and it's a powerful tool that models good behavior to your players and parents. 3. You are not perfect, your players aren't either, and this applies to referees who sometimes may misjudge a call. So take a deep breath and focus on your role and most importantly, Remember that referees are a part of the game and not a part from the game. And I wish you good coaching. That was today's training tip with Rob Shabai. To find a coaching course near you, visit bcsoccer.net and choose Register for a Course under the Coach tab. A couple of weeks ago, Canada Soccer hosted a National Female Referee Symposium featuring 29 up-and-coming female match officials from across our country, including two British Columbians. And you may not recognize the names just yet, but if you've had any proximity to the game, you might recognize their faces from various higher-level competitions around these parts. Here to talk about their journeys and the symposium are Sydney Barrage and Laura Rencon. Thanks so much for coming, you guys. Thanks for having, having us. us. Sydney, I'll start with you. What on earth possessed you to enter into this very challenging discipline? And how have you managed to navigate it with your wits and charms fully intact? <laughs> yeah, good question. I started when I, well, most people start. I started when I was 12. So pretty much as soon as I could, I jumped into it. And it started as a way to make money, as most people do also. But I don't know, something about it, just being a part of the game in a referee sense, it's been something that's grown on me tremendously over the past few years. And I've greatly enjoyed it. Why I stay in it is a very good question because, you know, obviously there's situations and there's games that you have that you want to cry afterwards. But I don't know, something about it just keeps bringing me back. I really, really enjoy it. Now, of course, this isn't your full-time gig. And I saw your mascot SFU 
biology on it, if I'm correct. So what would you like to be down the road? Have you figured that out or am I putting the pressure on you here? Recent decision, I'm leaning towards marine biology. I think the ocean has a lot to offer in form of research and I'm very interested in the physiology of animals and I think there's lots to learn still out there. How about you, Laura? I mean, you could be doing so many other things in your spare time and yet there you are in this competitive pathway that includes constant scrutiny. Why refereeing? Same as Sydney. I started right when I could when I was 12. My dad was actually a referee with BC Soccer. He's been a referee for over 10 years now. So he really got me into it as soon as I could. And I was also a soccer player at the time. And it was just a good side gig to earn some money. And it was really fun at first. It was just for fun. And then once I started getting older, I realized that wow, you can actually become a FIFA referee. It's not actually just a storybook thing. Um, It's actually possible, especially once you start getting up there, you can start seeing that there are those goals. And I used to be a competitive swimmer. So once I quit doing that, I just wanted to keep my standards going for something and have some goal in my mind. So refereeing was just something that you can really aim towards going somewhere if you want to do it. Obviously, there are some hard times, but I am still pretty young. I was one of the youngest people at the referee symposium, so I haven't experienced too much in terms of negatives yet, but I just really love it, and that's what keeps me in it. And another SFU student, criminology though, what would you like to be when you grow up? <laughs> yeah, um, so I'm in criminology and a minor in political science, so I really like looking at policies within the criminal justice system. I'm from Colombia, so I really like looking at racialized minorities and how that affects the criminal justice system. So something in that I would really like to enter into. Where from in uh, Colombia? I'm from Bogota. Oh, lovely. Well, the symposium came at a very interesting time when it feels like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there is somewhat of a minor revolution happening with female match officials. Do you feel the same way? And what do you think is the reason behind that? I do agree. I think there is a lot more recognition of female referees now. The Me Too movement has obviously been a massive part of that. I think it's made people look at everything a different way, and that includes refereeing. So I think being a female in refereeing right now is great. We're really being pushed forward. That's why the Female Referee Symposium happened, because I don't think anything like that. I think it happened once, many, many, many years ago. And just having been a bit of a higher level for a while, you go to refereeing situations and you're pretty much the token female, maybe one of three if you're lucky. So it was really, really cool seeing that many high up officials in one room. So I think it's something that's required because we know what we're doing too. Well, and it's not just females refereeing females. I'm watching the CPL a couple of weeks ago and it's Atletico hosting York, two female assistant referees. I see Carly Shaw McLaren all the time now and it's females officiating males, which brings up an interesting issue of man management that seems to work. Do you agree that actually that there is sometimes there's a balance there on the field that maybe you get respect in a different way by being a female? Is that fair? I think so. It's definitely a unique advantage to be a woman on the field. We definitely talked about this a lot in the symposium. There were so many ladies there and we all got a chance to talk about our experiences. And there is a certain level of respect that women get on the field that men to men don't give, which honestly could be a positive and a negative just because they do treat you differently in a lot of situations. Carly even said this, you know what, take it where you can get it. If they're going to be nicer to you just because you're a female, sometimes at the end of the day, that is a nice thing because as a match official, getting screamed at and all this isn't always the most fun thing in the world. But sometimes being a female, you can get treated differently if you can handle 
the situations properly, woman touch is always a good thing for sure. Well, it's a communication and management style that isn't rooted necessarily in ego, which tends to happen with men. And you have some pioneers that have come before you. Michelle Pye, we talked about before the show, Carol Ann Chouinard, Canadian female refereeing pioneers, there are others. But how important is it for you? And I'm not sure if they were in your realm when you started, but how important is it to have strong women like that leading this female refereeing revolution? Extremely important. Massively important. I grew up and I had amazing mentors when I started. They're the reason I'm still here, but they were all men. And that's not their fault, obviously. And I'm so grateful that they were there. But when I first met Michelle and she first did a lecture with us and was doing teaching, it was kind of mind-blowing to me. You never realize how you're not represented until you are. And then you're like, it's just mind-blowing. So I think it's extremely important that Michelle Pye is doing what she's doing, as well as all the other female referees that are heading out throughout Canada, because girls need to see that it's a possibility. I remember in the USL days, players telling me, one of them was Martin Nash, actually, he said that Carol Ann was maybe one of the best referees, period, at the time at that level in Canada. What is it about her and her style? Did you have a lot of contact with her at the symposium, Laura? Michelle and Carol Ann were both pretty much two of our main instructors there. They did the speaking parts. They also did the on-field training sessions. So they ran everything. They're both incredible. They're so knowledgeable. Everything they had to say, you could take all of it and run with it forever. And you'd probably still keep getting information from them. All of their experiences and the way that they carry themselves, you can just tell like it's the same way that they carry themselves on the field. They're just respectful of everyone. They're very intelligent, very knowledgeable of the game. They're very good at managing people because soccer is a game of personalities. And you can just tell that the way that they carry themselves in all of these situations, that is why that they are good at refereeing. It's because they have that special touch of managing people and personalities. At the symposium itself, uh, you had yourselves and 27 other female match officials from across the country. What were some of the highlights for both of you? I really enjoyed going to the CPL games. The first game we went to on the Saturday, they gave us groups and homework. So we had to watch the game with a certain set of topics in mind, and we had to discuss with our group as we watched. And it was very cool just talking with a group of girls that you don't know very well, but who all have been in the sport for a while and have a wide range of knowledge on their own. And just meeting all of them. We both made lots of friends when we were there and very excited to see them again. But I think going to the CPL games was a very cool experience. Were you allowed to tell us about what topics, for example, that your group discussed? Okay, well, all the topics in general, there was the referees movement around the penalty area. The AR was just one topic of watching how they move and their signaling and how they do throughout the game. The free zone was another one. Um, What's the free zone, for those who may not know? On the field of play, it's pretty much the lateral ends of the field, so right in front of the coach's technical areas, and then that same space, but on the opposite end of the field, just because it's in the middle, anything goes, essentially, in that area. For me, because I am still very new to refereeing, and I honestly in my life have never seen that many female referees in a room. I have seen maybe five female referees in my life that have been a some sort of provincial level. So this was a really good experience. I got to talk to FIFA referees, national referees. So just that exposure was really great because obviously they all have a lot of knowledge to share with you. We did the FIFA referee test and the assistant referee test and I got to run it with them. 
So it's just a really cool experience to be able to run it with them and see where you are at in comparison to them and they'll push you and everyone is very supportive. So that was definitely the highlight was being able to just interact with them and gain that exposure and obviously pick their ear what they have to say about everything as well. It was just really interesting. Carly Shaw McLaren, who was there as well, was on this program a few months back. And one thing that she said really struck me is that despite there being some competition to get on the Canadian list and you are in a way in competition with some of your colleagues, There's also this fraternity that is very tight because you all understand the complexities of your role. Did you feel that sense of sisterhood in Toronto? 100%. I think that applies to referees in general. So you talk to your friends or your family about the game you just refereed or the weekend you had and they understand it to a certain point but never to the same level that you really mean. So it was very cool just being in a room of females who not only understand the game and refereeing in general, but also what it's like to be a female refereeing the game. I made a lot of new friends. I've never gotten a chance to travel outside of BC really for refereeing. So the experience was so new because I got to meet people from all over Canada. Um, So yeah, the sisterhood is definitely there. Everyone just really understands you and everybody knows what you're going through because... At the end of the day, yes, you can be competition, but as somebody who is in a competitive sport their whole life, I've never met a group of people that is that nice and supportive to each other, even though they're gunning for those select spots. I've never seen anything. I consider us athletes almost, but I've never seen a group of athletes like that interact in a situation. Well, you're definitely athletes. There's no question about that. And you have as much running and more that you need to do. Uh, So you're going to head into some games here at some point and you're going to have taken some of those nuggets in Toronto and apply them. Uh, Do you feel this new sense of confidence and, and what will you take away when you actually return to the refereeing world and get to employ some of these new strategies, techniques and things you learned? Yeah, I'm really excited to go back to to referee again. Um, I think one of my biggest difficulties when I'm refereeing is my player management, actually. We had a whole lecture session on the psychology of refereeing and it wasn't necessarily about refereeing, but how the coaches and the players and what they're thinking during the game and why certain ways of talking to them or treating them don't work or do work. And so I'm very excited to apply some of the new techniques that I have learned. I want to follow up on that because as somebody who appreciates the profession and the game in itself, it does feel sometimes that FIFA wants its referees to be adversarial, whereas I know from being in the wars that it's the referee that's invisible that is the most effective generally. So how do you look at that human to human relationship and is there room for charm and taking sort of a a not adversarial stance sometimes? I think it's very situational, but In my opinion, taking an adversarial stance has never worked for me personally. I mean, there are situations where coaches or players just, they don't want to listen. They won't take into account anything you say anymore anyway. And an adversarial sense needs to be taken in that sense. But for the most part, if you want to manage the game successfully, I think that being out there as someone who is there to understand the players and the coaches and try to make them understand that you just want them to have a good game and for the game to go well, that you're not there to be their adversary. You're just there to support the spirit of the game. Which is empathy in the end, isn't it? Which is another management style I talk about that differentiates women with men sometimes. Laura, how about you? When you get back on the field, what nugget are you looking forward to employing? 
I am usually an assistant referee just because I'm still pretty new to the game and everything and getting up to these high levels. So we had a session on like when the assistant referee is vulnerable. So that was another really interesting topic just discusses like the interactions between the referee and the assistant referee, especially just all these situations where there's a bunch of players in front of you, what you should do, what the referee should do. So I definitely learned a lot about player management, communication styles with the referee, because at the end of the day, you are the third team on the field. And if you don't know how to communicate effectively, then you can't control the other teams when your team isn't all in sync. We always say, if you put your goals out there, there's a better chance that they may come true. So Sydney, what is your your sort of short term and maybe your longer term goal with the, the refereeing side of things? Well, I just did the provincial course over the summer. So my goal short term would be to ensure that I stay provincial. And to do that, I need to be doing games and getting assessments by the next year, I believe. So I'd like to get my provincial officially. And long term wise, definitely nationalist. And then from there, we'll see. I think. Why not, right? Yeah, why not? If, if it's there and I can do it, then I'm going to do it. But long-term national, for sure. How about you, Laura? My short-term goal was to get invited to nationals. And I actually just got the email last week that I'm heading to Newfoundland for U-Sport nationals at the end of November, which was my short-term goal, which I got that. So I'm just turning 19 now. So I'm getting to hopefully get on that district and provincial list pretty soon for my short-term And long term, I would definitely like to see myself on that national list and see where that goes from there. And work with some of the ladies that you were just with in Toronto. I have to ask you, soccer and all sports, it should be said, uh, have experienced a rather concerning drop-off in referee retention during this past year, whereas players and coaches came back in numbers, the match officials did not. Now, because you've both stuck with it, uh, I'd love to know how and why you think this phenomenon is occurring now and if there's anything that we can do as a governing body it's going to take everybody but is there anything we could do better to retain referees as much support for referees as possible is really important when you first start and you get just that one game you're really new to it and you don't really know if you want to do it and you just have that one game where the coaches just belittle you and you don't feel respected and you just you want to cry that's when they stop After I had games like that, I was very lucky that my mentors were there or I could talk to them and they would help me through it. But a lot of the time, referees don't have that. And so they don't stay with the sport, unfortunately, because when you're young, it's just a job. You don't really know if you like it yet. So I think being out there and supporting them as much as possible is incredibly important. Yeah, I 100% agree with Sydney on that. Um, I think the retention definitely starts at the grassroots level with um, mentoring, support, It's really important that kids also learn how to progress because when you're not told about these end goals and what it could become, it's really hard to keep in something when you don't see a long-term goal. If you don't have a connection within the organization or within refereeing, there's a lot of kids that don't even know the future, the possibilities of what can happen if you keep going just because you don't see those long-term goals. So I think it's really important to get some education for those kids that are starting off because that's how you keep them in the game as well as mentoring and as Sydney said too that just that one bad game can really ruin it for anyone really so just having those limits in place on what's acceptable and what's not I still remember one of my very first games I had a really bad interaction with a coach and luckily somebody was able to catch it and they made the coach end up writing me an apology letter and all this and that is what kept me in it so I think measures like that is something that's really important to keep kids from the age of like 12 to even 16 17 in it because that one bad experience can ruin it for you. 
Laura, you just hit on something that's extremely important. It's about the idea of incentive. You know, why will referees remain in the game long term? So how important is it at your level to know that there's now a very clear pathway that includes performance, youth, BCSPL, U-sport, as you mentioned, soon League One next year, which we're excited about, and then the CPL, all within a reasonable traveling distance for you. How important is that? Oh, extremely. Being at the symposium and watching the CPL games and seeing people that we know on those games and just the professional level that it's at, I found it extremely inspiring. My thought process was I want to be on one of those games one day. I think having the possibility of refereeing something like that when you're at the level where you're very into it is a large incentive. When you're young, I don't know how much of an incentive that is for the new guys coming up, but definitely now that we're invested, I think it's very exciting. And I plan on staying with it because I would like to referee League One, and I'm very looking forward to eventually refereeing CPL, hopefully. It's a gradual progression, too, because when you start off, you don't understand the significance of refereeing a CPL game or nationals or all of this, but if you're 12 years old and someone's saying to you, work up to BCSPL, that's still a goal. That's still a big deal. And especially because BC Soccer does a really good job at making it a big deal. I still remember when I went to my first BC Soccer meeting about BCSPL, And it was the first time that you got to actually hear them talk about be there an hour early. It's important to do this, come dress properly and all this. And then it's a good goal for kids because kids get excited over anything, honestly. So just those little steps and those progressions from BCSPL, oh, maybe do a line for university game, all of this. It just gets you excited and you can keep seeing your potential grow and grow. Not only do you need incentive, you need role models. I think you're going to be them for younger girls coming through. I can't thank you enough for coming, sharing your insights on the symposium, on the game itself. Please enjoy a pumpkin spiced beverage and a BC soccer polo shirt. You're both very charming, well-spoken. I can't thank you enough for being here. Thanks so much. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you again. This show is dedicated to you, the penny-washing warrior who gladly trains in the rain, even on gravel. It's the BC Soccer Cones and Pennies podcast. Not that social media necessarily is the be-all and end-all, but when we announced the hiring of our next guest, the response and positive comments were almost overwhelming, and my contemporary at Ontario Soccer, Ben Rycroft, sent me an email that said she is fantastic and will do great work for match official development. BC Soccer's most recent hire has extensive experience in refereeing and education, previously holding a variety of positions in the Ontario soccer system from club to provincial levels, while also acting as a match officials development coordinator for the association where she led the creation of the peer-to-peer mentor accreditation and delivery program, as well as co-led female leadership initiatives. I'm so pleased to welcome to the Cones and Pennies podcast our new referee programs manager, Kyla DiPerna. Hey, hey, Peter. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be on the podcast with you. Now, where are you speaking to us from exactly at the moment? Currently, I'm in Burlington, Ontario. Very nice. We just had Sydney and Laura talking about their journeys into this crazy world of match officiating. How about you? What helped gravitate you towards this world? So initially, I started playing competitively when I was when I was 12 with a local girls club in my hometown. And naturally, I tore some ligaments in my knee uh, when I was 17. So when I did that, it pretty much changed the way that I looked at the game. But at that point, it changed my perspective, and I really wanted to stay involved in any way that I could. 
So I took up coaching positions with my sister's competitive team at the time. I got myself involved as a trainer. I got my match officials license. I was doing everything that I could to stay active and involved in the soccer community. It was only until I received a role with my local club as a, an assistant club head referee that that passion really ignited and, and set off more than just a job. It became a passion that flourished. Fast forward a couple years, when I was in school or college trying to pursue a career in graphic design, there was a position that opened up with Ontario Soccer for the Match Official Development Coordinator, like you mentioned. And that is when I jumped on the opportunity. I think that jumping on the opportunity is a little bit of an understatement because it pretty much opened the doors wide open to the scope of what was involved in match official development. That's pretty much how I got started from that point. You alluded to the multimedia design that uh, got you to both Humber and Seneca colleges. How did that fit into your busy professional life and what specifically were you hoping to gain from that program? Went to Humber College full-time for multimedia design. That's when I received, had the opportunity to work for Ontario Soccer as one of their match official development coordinators. And unfortunately, I think the pandemic took effect uh, for a lot of different people in a lot of different ways, but including myself. But it also created the opportunity to dive into school again, which is where Seneca came in and actually... I'm taking a new program. It's more education-based, but still a little bit design-oriented. It's currently completing my instructional design certification. So there's a little bit of twists and turns, but it's all passion-driven. We have something in common then, because you must love a good logo here and there, right? Like a good a good football logo. <laughs> Would that be fair? <laughs> That's very fair to say. <laughs> <laughs> so do you subscribe to this notion that it takes a special personality type to follow the pathway into match officiating, or is that just a myth? I think I use that term or that phrase more often than not, especially this year. I think it does take a certain type of person to become an official in the same way that it takes a certain type of person to become a goalkeeper, to be honest. I feel like I have to say it is because you have to develop a pretty thick skin in order to be able to handle some of the backlash that can come with the nature of being in this position. Yeah, fair to say and unfortunate to say and totally agree. And there is within the fraternity people who are very, very detail oriented. You know, but it's the game management side that is the art, in my opinion, of officiating. So when you describe the perfect attributes for refereeing, what do you come up with? Officiating is, is multifaceted in that, yes, it takes a lot of attention to detail. It takes a lot of multitasking skills. It takes proper communication skills, uh, interpersonal skills. It takes the ability to be able to read certain social situations and, and gauge not only the temperature of the match, but the temperature and then tone with which the, the players are playing. There's so many different components that are comprised within officiating and you're on for 90 minutes or for however for however long the duration of the match is, you are on 100%. And it, at the end of it, sometimes I've found that I've been completely depleted of, of my energy and I've been completely exhausted because it takes that much focus with every idiosyncrasy that happens on the field of play throughout the duration of the match. I asked Sydney and Lauren this question about what appears to be, and this is maybe just anecdotal from my lens, but it looks like there is a female refereeing revolution occurring in our country, and that means more female referees even in men's games. Does that translate in Ontario? Have you seen the same thing? Absolutely. I'm so thrilled to see the movement uh, and the shift in the way that we approach officiating from a gender perspective, because from my lens, it shouldn't be about gender. It should be about talent. It should be about how much effort uh, and skill that you have to be able to put into the game. If you can complete the fitness test according to standards for that 
level of competition and you have the competencies in order to be able to officiate at that level of competition, then gender shouldn't be a barrier at all. Now, great point. In January, you'll make the trek out west. What on earth possessed you to apply for the referee program manager's role at the left side of the country and during a pandemic, no less, Kyla? <laughs> That's a great question, Peter. I'm still asking myself. <laughs> but uh, in all honesty, I love being a part of the officials community. For me, it's all passion driven. And I think I've said this to a couple members in the community already in BC. I would not be doing this if I wasn't fully devoted and 100% into this. I do it for the love of the game. I do it for the love of officiating. Prior to applying, I was I was working for another non-for-profit organization that dealt with municipal road infrastructure, which is another very niche environment to be working in. Uh, but in all honesty, because of the pandemic, because of the nature of how it all unfolded within not just soccer, but I guess all sports across the country, it pulled me away from the officiating community. When I heard of the opportunity to join, when I started getting some recommendations to apply, I, I absolutely jumped because this is something that is, again, is a passion of mine and I definitely wanted to continue to pursue. Your job is quite extensive and here we are in a mini crisis with match official retention. What are some of the big issues that you hope to address, maybe even prioritize once you get here? I think over the past few weeks with BC Soccer, I've been able to review a lot of the ways with which we conduct our course operations. I believe that at the beginning of 2022, uh, course operations might be one of the near-term objectives that we're looking to restructure, and especially in the way that we conduct courses across the province. This is in an effort to streamline efficiencies and create consistencies for everybody involved where we can. Another near-term objective that we're looking to dive a little bit deeper into and review is the structure of our current grading protocol and how we align it with a clear development pathway from small-sided all the way up to our provincial and elite match official pools. This also presents an opportunity to create a pathway and succession plan, not just for match officials, but also for the development support team members within it. So People like instructors, assessors, mentors, scouts, people who aren't necessarily officiating but still want to give back to the game. Highlighting a defined pathway for both streams is integral to uh, the success of the Match Social Development Program. I believe that the premise behind the success of any development pathway is a strong educational foundation. What we're looking to curate is a, is a repository of educational uh, components or groups that help to support those development pathways at any level within it. So say, for instance, if we have a match official who comes in at an entry level and they're looking to aspire to attain a higher level of officiating or they want to officiate higher levels of competition that will be able to provide them with a clear and direct and defined pathway, including educational components to be able to sustain their development upwards, if that's what they aspire to do. Same concept for development support team members and that if an instructor um, is coming in at a district level and they want to attain a regional provincial status of, of instruction, of delivering material, then that, that we would be able to provide them with a defined line. And that's something that I think is really important for me coming into, into this position is being able to provide clear pathways for, for our members. There's this popular corporate saying, Kyla, that data will set you free. How important is it uh, as you get started to gather feedback from those who operate in the referee development world to help guide some of these programs that you're putting together? I think that that is integral. It is a crucial, fundamental component 
of any program that you initiate, any program that you try and implement. It's not necessarily by coming down with force. By doing that, it'll it'll shock the system completely. But ideally, once I'm in British Columbia, I'd like to get boots on the ground, get face-to-face with a lot of our members and ask them personally. I think it's important to create a space that is inclusive and collaborative of different ideas and different perspectives based on on different geographics, on different circumstances within each area of the province. One of the biggest components in the instructional design realm is conducting needs analysis and, and identifying gaps. And a lot of that is conducted through surveying membership and speaking with people who are subject matter experts and identifying areas to implement or to try and reinforce some of the programs that we have in BC. I spoke about the sport-wide referee retention issue. It's not just soccer, and it might be a little unfair to ask for this kind of response given how many factors, you know, go into retention. But going forward, how do we keep more match officials in the game, especially the young ones? I think you hit the nail right on the head in your opening remarks. Match official retention is an issue that has affected all sports. You know, this isn't just an isolated issue within soccer or within British Columbia. This is an issue that has traveled internationally across all sports. Players and coaches seem to have bounced back in a way where match officials just haven't. And in recognizing that, you know, sometimes people sit back and they complain about the issue, but we need to shift our ideology that this is a problem that will solve itself or that we need to solely rely on the provincial governing body to to fix. You know, it takes a village to raise a player. And it's even more prominent with match officials, it seems, now. We need to put ourselves in a position where we can be a part of the solution. So belittling or harassing or abusing a new official, or any official for that matter, I feel only aggravates the situation. Match officials are an integral component to the game. They are a part of the structure. And right now, there is a crack in the metaphorical foundation that we need to collaboratively put our efforts together to find solutions to work towards. And it starts with providing the match official with an environment that's a safe space and that fosters a positive learning experience and environment. You know, we wouldn't expect a new player to know how to apply an offside trap or juggle a ball a hundred times. But if we provide them with opportunities to practice their skills, they'll eventually learn to master them. You know, the same principles apply with officiating. One of the retention solutions that we're looking to implement imminently is through some refresher clinics for match officials who didn't renew their license in 2021. This will be at no cost to the official. So if you haven't had the opportunity to attend a refresher, make sure that you keep your eyes peeled on your Ref Center account because courses will become available for registration shortly. We will be able to apply and uh, complete your registration. I can't thank you enough, Kyla. When you when you make your trek out to BC, are you bringing a pet with you by any chance? <laughs> I'll just be by myself. Unfortunately, I'm allergic, so... <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay. I can't bring that with me. <laughs> but how about as an Italian? Do you have a club that you support? Oh, that's a very controversial question to ask, but I, I'll have to say Juventus. <laughs> <laughs> very good. I can't wait to see you in person, Kyla. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much, Peter. I really appreciate it. My thanks to Kyla DePerna, along with Sydney Barrage and Laura Rincon. And I encourage you to reflect on how you can contribute in a meaningful way to the development and health of our match officiating pool in this province. Until next time, thank you for listening. Subscribe to the BC Soccer Cones and Pennies podcast on your Apple or Android device. Or find us on Spotify or SoundCloud.